Before history is written, it's played. Before it's frozen in time, it's fought one shift at a time. Before it's etched in silver, it's carved in ice. What happens next will last forever. The Stanley Cup Final on ABC and ESPN Plus begins Saturday. Another day is here, and you're ready for it. What to wear? Check. Breakfast, lunch, and dinner? Check. Planning for what's next and how to save for it? That's where Bank of America can help. For your financial to-dos, Bank of America has experts ready to help get you closer to your goals. Get started at one of our local financial centers or 24-7 in our mobile banking app. Find a location near you at bankofamerica.com slash talk to us. What would you like the power to do? Mobile banking requires downloading the app and is only available for select devices. Message and data rates may apply. Bank of America and a member FDIC. Hey, what's up, everybody? This is Charles Sabansi from the Dreamers Pro Show. And we want to welcome you guys to the Dreamers Pro Podcast, where we cover everything from sports, hot topics, classic debates, entertainment, and where we give you guys a fresh perspective on things and how we see them. Now, let's get started with the first topic of today's show. This morning, I was reading an article from FadeAwayWorld.net that was centered on some comments that Kevin Durant made on the eve of the NBA season starting. As you guys know, the NBA season starts tomorrow. Obviously, it depends on when you're going to see this show, but it starts tomorrow. And he was discussing the fact that it was he was basically discussing um, the idea of low management and how he doesn't support it. And he, to him, he's like, let's just go out there and play and what happens, happens, and then we'll figure it out uh, from there. And I said in that show that that was a very refreshing position um uh for kevin durant to take at that moment and then as i was kind of doing some other research i then began to think of kobe who's my favorite player of all time and i started to think about michael jordan now if you think about mj mj is widely regarded widely regarded as the greatest player of all time but apart from being the greatest player of all time he's also one of the most durable players uh the NBA has ever seen. And he's one of these guys that had the approach of, I have an obligation to go out there and play for the fans and put on a show for them. Because I don't know if some kid is sitting up there and they may only have one opportunity in their lifetime to see me, they saved up money and I, and, and, I, and then I show up and I just mail it in or I don't even play. So that always seemed to be Michael Jordan's approach. And then I was doing more research and I came across an audio of MJ talking about low management or what, and what it would be today. And he was discussing how when he approached, when he played basketball, he never approached it from a standpoint of, okay, let me look for ways to rest and, and, and kind of mail it in and not give my full effort. He's like, no, I went a hundred percent full throttle uh, whenever I played. So what we want to do is want to play a quick clip of Jordan talking about this is a very short clip, about a minute or so, and then we're going to come back. Take a listen to what MJ had to say here about this. People are starting to forget that when I play basketball, you know, I don't play conservatively. I play all out. I feel that I'm the leader of the ball club. So I can't say that I'm going to try to play and conserve uh, 28 minutes so that by the end of the season, I'm going to be more rested. You know, I'm all out. So you heard what Michael Jordan had to say there about that. Now, this morning, I also did some further research and there was an article that was written where uh, essentially Jordan was predicting uh, the rise of low management and players skipping games. And we got this from WeNachaWorld.com. And I want to read a little bit of what this article has to say here. 
in the book, in the book, the article says, driven within Mark uh, Vansil, Jordan, in a somewhat prophetic way, talks about the future of the NBA and why it will be necessary for players to see the example examples of success so they can achieve uh, by themselves. Jordan said the younger generation of NBA players would have to see older guys playing hurt or at least not being 100% ready for a game to realize that it that is is sometimes the only way to achieve greatness and respect uh, from the fans and their peers. You can hear about how somebody played or read about the best way to achieve success, but people need to set examples. Until they see, they won't do it. It's easy to talk about what Jerry West did, but it's not easy to see what he did. Tomorrow's kids are going to have to see someone playing hurt, see someone practicing the day after winning a championship. We have to provide examples so they can relate to that ideal. Otherwise, they will get bad habits. If we lose that gap, then it starts to fade away. And 20 years from now, you will never see someone play sick or get on the floor with a sore uh, ankle. That's what MJ had to say. Now, I want to quickly play a compilation of audios of what Kobe Bryant had to say about this very thing, because some people may describe Kobe to a certain extent as a pupil of Michael Jordan. So I want to quickly play what Kobe Bryant had to say here to kind of accentuate the points that MJ just made, and then we'll come back and continue on the show. Take a listen to what Kobe had to say here. Your job to be in shape. It's your job to be strong enough to perform at that level every single night. And as a competitor, I'm not, I'm not ducking. Like, it's not, oh my God, my back hurts, I'm sore, we got to play Vince Carter and Toronto Raptors tonight. We actually had this happen. We had a game against Toronto in 2000, um, and Vince was tearing the league up. Um, my back was jacked, jacked. But like, the perception of that, like, what? Kobe's missing the game against Toronto, Vince Carter, because man, my back was really spasming. But people will be like, what? Oh, he's ducking Vince. Excuse me? No, I don't think so. So I would be in the layup line like, okay, there's a lot of days where, you know, you can rest and recover. But in terms of the integrity of the game or the competitiveness of the game? Well, here, here's the problem. The, 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 the problem is, you know, for uh, a family who spends their hard-earned money to come and watch their favorite players play and, you know, they show up and the player's not playing, mm-hmm. um, that's the tough part. Um, you know, I felt like if you could play, if you can Play, you should go out there and play. If a coach said to you, you're not playing, would you have had an issue with it? Well, I, I, they're, they're I honestly, that it I've be never. The coach's decision. Yeah, I've never been approached yeah. by a coach and asked me to rest. Um, I think they knew better than that. Well, to, <laughs> to me, what resonates, what resonates, and I'm not going to belabor this subject, but what resonates to me about players sitting down, it's one thing if you're not playing. It's another thing when you announce to the world it's because of rest. While you're dressed in street clothes, mm. chilling on the bench, smiling and laughing with your teammates when the fans came to see you play and you're a marquee uh, and you're mean, not there. They're, they're, listen, you, you can build your game differently, right? And I think you know, one of the things I learned from MJ is on second nights of back-to-backs, uh, when it's fourth game, five nights, whatever the case may be, the game would alter. Right? He changed his game a little bit. I might be on a perimeter the first two games. Now I'm slide down to the post. I'm gonna play a little closer to the basket. I'll play off the ball a little bit more. Right? So there are ways where you can kind of alter your game 
where you can get rest within the game, mm. but still be efficient. So you heard what Kobe had to say. Now, let me give you guys some, some information here. I went through Jordan's career and I looked at his 15 year career and I looked at the amount of times Jordan played at least 80 plus games. Let's go through them. He played one, two, uh, wait, one, two, three, four, five, six, seven, eight, nine, ten, eleven. 10, 11. Here's the staggering number. At the age of 40 years old, at the age of 40 years old, MJ played 82 games. That is with a bad knee. Michael Jordan played 82 games at the age of 40. Let's go through the career of Kobe Bryant quickly. And, and let's look at some of the seasons that Kobe played at least 70 plus games because early in his career, he didn't get to play uh, as much. His rookie season, Kobe played 71 games and he played 79. Uh, then he played 80. That's uh, three, then four, then five, uh, then six, then seven, then eight, then nine, then 10, and then 11. Uh, uh, and then his final season, he played 66 because he got injured. Kobe played at least 11 times. At least 11 times. Now, these guys, I believe what sets them apart from all of these guys is that they felt a sense of responsibility. They felt a sense of responsibility and obligation to the fans. And I also think that there was a deep love for the game. I don't believe that Kobe Bryant and Michael Jordan played for money. I do believe that they enjoyed the money that came with the, with, with, with their jobs, obviously, but I don't believe that that was their primary motivator. I really don't believe so. I really don't believe so. And I think there are only a few play. There are only like a handful of players that are like that. I think Kevin Garnett is one of them. I think John Stockton is one of them. I think Carl Malone is one of them where these guys just play. Carl Malone, John Stock, these guys were iron men. But for Jordan at the age of 40 years old to play, you, I can guarantee you, you will never see something like that ever again. You will never see an NBA player at the age of 40 years old play every single game in a season. And I don't think it was about uh, uh, preserving his body. I think it was about giving the game everything. And not leaving nothing on the floor. Now, it may sound like, oh, that sounds like such a cliche. But I, be I believe these guys really believe that. Now, some people will say, but wait a minute, you're a Kawhi Leonard fan. And I hold that against him to a certain extent. Now, Kawhi Leonard recently uh, pushed back on the notion that he doesn't enjoy playing games. I understand that. And Kawhi didn't start low management. Uh, that was something that Greg Popovich started. And then the entire league adopted it. Right. And ran with it. And now and well, not now, but. Uh, as of recent, it was running rampant all over. It was just, it, the, the entire thing had just run amok. It had run amok. So to me, it is refreshing to hear the greatest of the great say this. And for Jordan to have predicted this, it's, it's, it's something. Now, I don't want to get into the money part uh, because then it comes down to the individual. Some people are only motivated by money, and that's the only thing that moves them. And once they get their bag, that's it. Whereas some people, they can be motivated to make a lot of money, but also do great work. So I'm not, I don't want to get into that aspect because then you have to start singling guys out. But to me, I really appreciate the fact that Jordan said that, and it looked like he was 100% correct.
Now, if you're enjoying this show, be sure to follow us on Facebook at Dreamers Pro Official, Instagram at Dreamers Pro, and leave a review to let us know what you think about today's show. Now, let's continue to the next segment. Now, uh, today we got uh, we got something interesting uh, because you guys know the NBA season is starting tomorrow. Uh, and about a month or so ago, there was some chatter around, you know, uh, low management. Now, for those of you who have followed this platform, you will know that I've been I've always been one of those people uh, that didn't support low management. I never thought that it worked. Um, some people tried to you know, say this is science to me. I always thought it was like some type of pseudoscience. I didn't think it was real uh, because they were saying that low management, in essence, the idea of it was supposed to be a preventative measure where teams would implement so that they would ensure that players' be- uh, bodies aren't being over, over like stress and overwork, but also to prevent injuries. But then what we were seeing over the last few years was that injuries were occurring at a much higher rate than they were in the past. And it caused a lot of people like myself to begin to question whether or not low management was working. Now, some people will f- blindly follow what people tell them and say, well, that's what the doctors say. And I'm like, wait a minute. So if you go to a doctor, you want to you want to have a procedure done or something, you don't get multiple opinions. You just accept the first thing the first doctor told you that is that the way it works with you? You don't know that it's always good to get multiple opinions on a particular thing. But nevertheless, a lot of people were subscribing uh, to it. Then the NBA recently announced that. Again, through the science, they have discovered that low management doesn't prevent a damn thing. Something I think was that, that I thought a lot of us thought was pretty apparent, but for whatever reason, I think it made more sense when they heard it come out of <laughs> Commissioner Adam Silver's mouth. So this morning, uh, I was doing some research and I came across an article here from fadeawayworld.net, and it was centered on Kevin Durant's stance on. Uh, low management coming into this season. So I want to read a little bit of what it has to say here. It says, Sun star Kevin Durant turned 35 years old past sept- this past September, but don't think for a second that he's got any plans to lighten his load for the upcoming season. As Durant explained in a recent conversation with the media, he's not in the business of sitting out games or lowering his minutes for the sake of preventing injuries. Some sh- some bleep is going to happen. It's going to happen, said Durant. You tried to prevent me from being injured or being out there. I honestly don't know what good that does. Just let me play. Whatever happens, happens. And if we do what we have to do on the floor every night, guys won't have to play 40 minutes a night. We just got to be ready to play. Now, that's what Kevin Durant said. Uh, a current NBA player. He's not the first one that said this. We've also I've also heard from another current NBA player in Paul George on his, on the Paul George podcast. Paul George said that he doesn't believe that low management works. He said he actually prefer, uh, prefers uh, the league the way it was when he first got into the NBA when he was playing for the Indiana Pacers, where he said that they used to have two a days. He felt like that was developing a callus and making his body stronger. And what teams are uh, uh, implementing now doesn't work. And then it made me remember over time a while ago, let's say about a year or so ago, when the NBA was discussing possibly lowering the amount of games in a regular season. And Adam Silvers was discussing this. And then they brought this to the panel that featured Malika Andrews, Kendrick Perkins, and Richard Jefferson. And when it came time for Richard Jefferson, who's a former NBA player to, to weigh in on you know what the NBA was possibly thinking of doing, which was shortening the season, 
he absolutely ripped into this modern NBA and his modern players. So what we want to do is want to play exactly uh, what Richard Jefferson had to say about the t- at the time, talking about low management and the possibility of lowering games. And then we'll come back and continue on the show. Take a listen to what Richard Jefferson had to say here. What do you think of this, Rich? I think this is absurd. I think this is let me let me, let me I just got stretch here. This this is this is this is my issue right here, right? Is that you have game readies, you have Norma Techs. There was years ago where players used to not travel. They would not travel uh, commercial. We have eliminated back to backs. We now have a, a week long All Star break instead of instead of like three and a half days. Yep. And I remember guys used to have to catch flights, play the last game on Thursday, play in the game on Sunday, and then you would have a game on on Tuesday, Wednesday. They have done every single thing. Every team now has sleep staffs. They have extra training staff. When I came into the league, you had two doubled as an equipment manager. Now you have a massage therapist to travel with teams. Now guys are, you want to shorten the season? Like how much more do we have to make this coddling and all of this stuff go with the players? It makes absolutely no sense. Professional sports is not good on your body. It's supposed to separate the people that can do it from the people that can't do it. And while we do want our best product on the floor, part of greatness is longevity. That's what Michael Jordan, that's what that's what Kareem Abdul-Jabbar, that's what LeBron James, all of these guys, we talk about their greatness over a long period of time. And to keep eliminating this and dialing back to the point where it's like there's nothing else for the players to do. I think it is a joke. I think they should never do this. Now, if you were talking about the in-season tournament, I think that's 100% maybe if you wanted to just have a little bit more space. But this right here is the epitome of coddling players to make sure that everything is okay on top of the fact that players are taking rest days on top of the fact that they're taking rest days right now. So how are you going to give them rest days and then say, well, we're going to shorten it to 60 games. We're going to shorten it to 70 games. At the end of the day, they're still going to take time off. Tell them about the money. The money. Oh, they're making (laughs) all that money. I don't think anyone else is going to be yet. These are the teams. These are the owners need to get on these. It's not just the players. Don't say the players. It's literally I've seen guys have a thumb injury and not be able to play in back-to-back because they didn't want their conditioning to be off. Right? Like, if you have a thumb injury, you should be in conditioning. And I'm going to stop because I'm getting too excited here. But the fact that we want to talk about shortening the season now with all of this stuff, you tore your ACL. I've missed time before this. And it ain't just because of that. If guys aren't conditioning 24 hours a day to make sure that their bodies are taken care of, that's on them and that's on the team. But shortening the season, you're going to mess with records. You're going to mess with numbers. You're going to mess with so much of our basketball because this group or the way that's handled right now can't handle it. I'm off that. yeah, and carry on. There you go. <laughs> carry on. So you heard what uh, Richard Jefferson had to say there. Now, some of you may believe this or not, but you know that there's some NBA fans that are actually in support of low management. Do you know this? Do you know that there's some NBA fans that actually work in the interests, work against their own interests? Do you know this? Do you know that there's some NBA fans that will try to intellectualize resting games when players are perfectly healthy? And then still patronizing that product. It's like you're paying to see players that you never saw. But you're like, ah, I understand it. And here's my whole issue with this. Here's my whole issue with this. We've heard on numerous occasions that this is the most advanced crop of NBA players ever. Even though when you think about this from a rational standpoint, that makes no sense. And I'll tell you why. A lot of people, when they say this, let me tell you why they're saying this. They're using the notion of, oh, well... Players, let's say in the 80s, in the 90s, uh, and the 2000s are not as evolved. 
as these players. Because if you say players today are quicker, faster, stronger, you must be saying that some type of evolution took place. Correct? And then some of us would then have to ask, what evolution took place over the last 20 years? What evolution took place? Because I'm trying to figure it out. Because the same Kevin Durant that was playing in the early, uh, what, in the 210s or whatever it is, is the same Kevin Durant playing today. The same Stephen Curry that was drafted, what, 14, 15 years ago, is the same Stephen Curry uh, playing today and still killing it. So when we're talking about this new advanced, this, this set of new advanced players, when are we starting this off at? And I've always said that people are confusing macroevolution to microevolution. Now, one dunce. And the comments was like, Charles always making stuff up. This is somebody that's never apparently read a book or anything like that. I actually used to sit down and watch debate after debate about after debate about evolution versus God. I've watched countless. I'm not just saying I've read a lot about it. And a lot of people are confusing it too. There's absolutely no way that players could have evolved to the point where you think that these guys are now totally different. Instead, I believe players today are just as athletic as they've always been, in my personal view. I mean, the human highlight reel Dominique Wilkins played in the 80s. Who's a player that we can say is more athletic than him? Vince Carter played in the early 2000s, and he's considered to be the best dunker of all time. Name me the dunker today that's better than, than uh, Vince Carter. You look at John Morant, who is an incredible athlete. But before there was John Morant, there was Derrick Rose. There was also Russell Westbrook. So for people to throw out this notion, I just thought that people were trying to sound smart about something they had no idea what they were talking about. To me, I think Kevin Durant summarized it perfectly. We are hoopers. We are here to perform a particular task. And when we go out here, I want to be able to do it at the highest level as much as I can. And I support that. He's like, whatever happens, happens. But I'm not going to be sitting out here Waiting to see whether or not I get it, whether or not I see I get it, whether or not I get injured or not. I'd rather be out there playing, and then whatever happens, we roll the dice on it. To me, there's no way you can prevent it. If an injury is going to occur, it is going to occur, and in most cases, injuries are random. When somebody tears an Achilles tendon, it is it is a random event. I've read I've read upon it. You cannot predict an Achilles tear. It can happen at any moment in time. And that's what happened to Kevin Durant. So to me, um, I appreciate Ke uh, Kevin Durant's position. I also appreciate uh, Richard Jefferson's position. I also like the fact that the NBA is doing away finally with this ridiculous low management. And let's get back to the games. Let's get back to the games. Recently, we interviewed um, uh, Michael Cooper on our show, and I asked him about this very topic. He's like, wait a minute. Today, uh, medicine is better today. Uh, training is better. Uh, training facilities are better. Logistics in terms of travel is better. And you're telling me guys can't play more today? Uh, can't play as much as they did in the past? Help me figure it out. Now, if you're enjoying this show, be sure to follow us on Facebook at Dreamers Pro Official, Instagram at Dreamers Pro, and leave a review to let us know what you think about today's show. Now, let's continue to the next segment. This particular show here, uh, it's like a last minute thing. Last minute thing. We already had all of our topics. And then I just kind of stumbled upon this. And I was like, wait, what? So I was like, we definitely got to talk about it. So I was just wrapping up here. And I looked on Fadeaway World. And it had an article with the headline saying, LeBron James laughs at Gilbert Arenas' epic comments on 80s and 90s basketball. Now, let's talk about Gilbert Arenas in the 80s. As you guys know, <laughs> 
me and Gilbert Arenas have had like kind of like this friendly back and forth. Funny enough for the for the for the for the I don't know what you want to call them in the comment section. Before we produced the show, I already I already messaged. Um, I already told Gilbert Arenas for producing this show, so uh, he's not going to be surprised. Now I'm sure he's going to put a, do a response video, but I told him before. I'm like, Yo, Gilbert, you're going to see the show today. You may laugh, you may not, but I already told him ahead of time. So, as you guys know, Gilbert Arenas likes to make fun of um, players in the past, right? Players from the 80s, 70s, and 90s, right? That's where he kind of cuts it off. He doesn't make fun of players in the 2000s because that's kind of when he came in. So, you know, I think Gilbert has this thing where, you know, I'm not sure. Maybe one day when I talk to him, I'm going to ask him, who who in Europe, what's your top five? Because I'd be very curious to know how many players – from the 80s and 90s or 70s are going to make Gilbert Arenas his top five. I'm going to be very curious. And I'm, and I'm, I should ask him that because I don't know. Uh, but what happened? So I came across a video today. And apparently this video was posted on Gilbert Arenas's Instagram page. And it's basically a compilation video of Gilbert Arenas going through some footage, I believe, of the New York Knicks versus the Bulls. And I think he was highlighting the the way they played the defense uh, because there's just the saying is essentially this, the era in the past, it was a much more physical game. You you were allowed to play more defense. Whereas in this player, this this era, you're not allowed to touch guys. And Gilbert in the video is basically saying the defense wasn't that great. Like a man, a, 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 a defender, his man will beat him. And then all of a sudden, instead of allowing the guy to beat him, he would just hack him or foul him hard. And they were like, that's what they call great defense. So Gilbert, you know, put this entire clip together. So what we want to do is want to play a little bit of what Gilbert Arena said in this clip, and then we're going to come back. Take a listen to Gilbert Arenas here. Look at this right hand, right court. Look at baseline, turn around, jump, jumper. And end up going to pass him the ball. What are we going to do with it? All right, what we got? Okay. Oh, that's what the 80s and 90s is, is for. Look at the defense. You let him burn, and then you make it up by fouling hard. Y'all saying our era is soft? Look at these fouls, man. That was the 15 on the Knicks. Hey man, if y'all ever played 2K, man, you know, when you start my career, these are the players you start off with. <laughs> when you start my career, and that's how you start, this is it. 60 overall. So that's what Gilbert Arena said in that clip. Now, if you scroll farther down, you will then see an image of LeBron James laughing at what Gilbert Arena's posted. Laughing with like a bunch of a laughing uh emojis right so lebron was apparently laughing at what gilbert arenas had to say about these 80s and 90s guys so here are my thoughts on this first of all almost any serious basketball fan if you ask them to bring up their top five i can almost assure you i can almost assure you at least three of those players are going to be from players in the 90s and the 80s. I can almost assure you of this. Give you an example of me. My top five. I got Jordan. Jordan is an 80s, 90s guy. Gilbert, we're not doing this tweener stuff. He's an 80s and 90s guy or pre-2000. I got Kobe. I got um, Magic Johnson. No, is it Magic Johnson? I got Kareem. Then I think I had Shaq. I don't remember, but I got uh, uh, Kobe. I got Kareem. I got no. I got Jordan, Kareem. Then I got Kobe, who was drafted in ninety six, ninety seven. 
I got LeBron. LeBron was drafted in 2003. And I can't remember. My, I think it's Shaq or something. I can't remember the, the, the fifth person. It's either Shaq or Magic Johnson, one of those two. But a good amount of those players are coming out of the 80s and the 90s. Now, in my personal view, if players today are better, I have yet to see a player today on the level of a Kobe, on the level of an MJ. Have you seen a point guard on the level of uh, Stephen of of, uh, of uh, Magic Johnson in terms of running? I'm not talking about Stephen Curry, who's like a combo guard. I'm talking about like a quintessential point guard. Have you seen one? Who is the dude? Who is the dude? Who is the dude? To me, listen, the 90s was definitely a more physical era than this current era. The era that Kobe played in in the early 2000s from the 2000s to 2010s was definitely a more physical era than this era. The era Kobe played in, to give you guys an example, is the slowest era in NBA history. The slowest in terms of pace. In terms of pace is the slowest. If you look at the spacing that Kobe played with, go look in 2005, 2004, 2006. Go look at those, those games and look at the amount of spacing that Kobe was playing with and he was still scoring 35 a game with that type of spacing. I remember listening to Draymond Green describe the 1998 Chicago Bulls and he was looking at them versus the Utah Jazz in the finals. And he was discussing the spacing. He was saying that there was no freedom of movement. There was no spacing on the floor. How this era, they would beat those guys because there was no spacing. Well, if there's no spacing in a game, chances are players are going to be coming into a lot more physical contact with one another. Chances are there's going to be a lot more bumping. And to say that that era their defense was embedded in this era. We got it. We got it. We got it. We got Gilbert. I got to call BS on that. I know you're a former NBA player. No one is taking that away from you, but I also have eyes and other NBA fans have eyes too. You're not going to convince me. I don't care if I didn't play in the NBA. I don't need to play in the NBA to know that it is harder for an offensive player. If you can hand check them, and put your hand on them and direct them where you want on the want to go on the court versus not being able to touch them at all. I know this. You have more freedom of movement. The spacing is wide open. So there's no way in hell you can tell me that this that that era wasn't more physical and the defense wasn't better. It just simply was. Period. End of story. There's no, I don't care. I don't need to go to the NBA. I don't need to play collegially. I don't need anybody to tell me that I can figure it out. Look at this series two years ago when Kevin Durant, Kyrie Irving, and the Brooklyn Nets were facing the Boston Celtics in round one. And Chris Prusar brought up a good point. He was like, the referees are allowing the Boston Celtics, who had the number one rated defense at the time, Ime Udoka was the head coach. He said they're allowing them to play 90s basketball with defense with the physicality. Kevin Durant and Kyrie Irving were stifled in that series. For the vast majority of that series, KD shot below 40% from the field. Below 40% 
the man you crack jokes, a lot of jokes about Giannis Antetokounmpo, go look back at his numbers and look what Giannis shot against that same Boston Celtics team in the playoffs. They couldn't do nothing with your boy. Now, some people say Giannis was playing football. It don't matter. It don't matter. They had no, he was running dudes off. He was running dudes. I think at one point he knocked one player's tooth out with the level of physicality that Giannis was playing with. So to me, I'm not, I'm not with that. Now for LeBron to be chiming in, LeBron, you ain't got no business laughing because the dudes you laughing at, Jordan came from that era, he better than you. Jordan came from that era, he better than you. He better than you. He better than you. And you laughing at those dudes' post moves. Your post moves ain't the most skilled ever. I'm just saying, to be laughing at Patrick Ewing and those dudes, you wasn't no Hakeem in the post to be laughing at those dudes. Remember, Jordan came from that era. The dude you're chasing, he came from that era that you still can't catch. MJ came from that era. Don't get it twisted. Don't be laughing at dumb dudes. Don't laugh at those dudes. I'm just saying, like, like cut it out. Let's not turn those dudes into scrubs because they're not. Like, they're not. No matter, I don't... I, I don't need to play in the NBA to know that those dudes in the 80s and 90s were bad boys. There's, I don't care to play in the NBA to know. I don't need to go through a, a basketball game and go through all of the circuits to understand, damn, Charles Barkley was a great basketball player. Damn, Hakeem Olajuwon was pretty damn good. Scottie Pippen was pretty good. Clyde Drexler was pretty, pretty good. Michael Jordan was damn good. Magic Johnson was damn good. Carl Malone was a bad boy. John Stockton was John Stockton was a bad boy. Jason Kidd was a bad boy. I don't need to play in that era or play basketball to know that. I, I don't care. I don't care what anybody says. Those dudes were bad boys. Period. Period. So these are my thoughts, Gilbert. I know you're gonna do a response video to this. You're not gonna get me off of this one. You can't pull your NBA card on me on that one. Them dudes were bad boys. I don't care who says it. Now, if you're enjoying this show, be sure to follow us on Facebook at Dreamers Pro Official, Instagram at Dreamers Pro, and leave a review to let us know what you think about today's show. Now, let's continue to the next segment. This morning, I was going through the internet, and I came across a video on Twitter. And it was a video on NBA Central via Gill's Arena show, right? Now, in this particular segment, they were asking the question, is Luka Doncic the best player on the Mavericks? Now, the moment you hear that question, you're gonna you're gonna have it like a knee-jerk reaction because you're like, I mean, you'd be like, wait, what do you mean? Is he not, is he is he is he the best player? You would obviously think of Luka, but then your mind then quickly goes to Kyrie Irving, who's his new who is his newest uh teammate. And Kyrie is also uh his teammate there as well. So I click on the video, and in this particular video, it was more of Kenya Martin talking, and more Gilbert, Gilbert Arenas wasn't talking so much. It was more uh, Kenya Martin, and Kenya Martin started to make he didn't he wasn't really making his case. He was asking questions, like he was bringing up certain points, and he was like, "Prove me wrong, answer the question, answer the question." And as I was sitting down and thinking about it. I was like, man, this is something that we that I really got to spend some time to think about. And I didn't want to just give it a knee-jerk reaction kind of um, uh, answer. So we actually want to play that audio of Kenny Martin basically saying what he said. But before we even get into that, this video is brought to you by a brand new sponsor, 
Factor Meals. If you're like me or anybody that works at Dreamers Pro, chances are you're a very, very busy person, especially during the lunchtime when you don't have time to go to the grocery store, pick out fresh ingredients, and come back home and cook healthy, delicious meals. Sometimes we're so busy that you just end up finding yourself making a ham sandwich or something like that, which isn't really ideal. And this is the reason why we are excited to be partnering with Factor Meals. Factor Meals is America's number one ready-to-eat meal kit. You can choose from up to 35 gourmet meals. Every meal is packed with premium ingredients crafted by Factor Meals team of culinary experts and designed by dietitians to ensure that every meal is packed with premium science-backed nutritional quality. Your meals are delivered directly to your door and all you need to do is heat them up in just under two minutes then they are ready for you to eat and enjoy. So for example, this week, I think I'm gonna go with the Italian herb chicken. What I love is that under every single meal, you can see if it's a calorie conscious option. For example, this meal I just chose is a dietitian approved calorie smart meal, which is around 550 calories or less per serving, and also a protein plus meal with 30 grams of protein or more per serving. So if you want to give it a try, click the link in the description below or head over to factormeals.com slash dreamers50 and use code dreamers50 to get 50% off. And remember, when you try Factor Meals by using the link in the description below, remember that you're supporting this channel. Thank you. So what we want to do is want to play exactly what Kenyon Martin had to say about why he believes Kyrie Irving is the best player on the Dallas Mavericks, and then we're going to come back and continue on with the show. Take a listen to that there. Is Luka the best player on this team? Is he? Production-wise. I didn't ask you that. Enough said. But in the MVP, he's the fourth best player in the NBA compared to the list from the other day. He in the MVP conversation, and in my opinion, I don't think he's the best player on his basketball team. But that's for another, never mind. Move on. Just sip my tea. <laughs> oh, this is... Okay, we got, so who's the best player on the Mavs if Luke is not? Hey, I, I mean, I know one, I, I know one, I put it like this, you know when people be talking about one-on-one? -on -one? I know if you ask Dinwiddie who's the best one-on-one -on -one player there, I guarantee it won't be uh, who they think it is. Won't be Luca. You know what I'm saying? Guarantee you line him up, let him play ones. Oh, he couldn't be, Dinwiddie say, oh, he got mopped every time. Yeah, every time, dog. And you line him up against Kyrie, it'll be, a, listen, he might don't touch the ball. <laughs> if you give Kyrie the ball first, he might, Luca might won't touch the ball. 11-0? Hey. <laughs> Luca can't guard this goddamn um, camera stand. <laughs> hey, no, no, but that's what I when, But when they say, where, where y'all ringed in with he? Yeah. All right. <laughs> yeah, you know he what I'm saying? He could be him. And that's I mean, all I'm saying. That's but that value. That's that value. Is Luca good? Absolutely. That good for his team. Is different. Yeah, see, I'm not, see, and that's the thing with real basketball people. Mm -hmm. Num like, if your numbers don't equate to something, mm -hmm. they just numbers. And I look at you, who you are, and what you're doing, and your. It's, I look at Kyrie like, Shit. Yep. yeah, give me a lab. Yep. Give me number lab. Mm -hmm. So you heard what Kenny Martin had to say. So then what we did was about six hours ago, 
We put up a poll on our channel and we asked the audience a question. Do you agree with Kenny Martin saying Kyrie Irving uh, is better than Luca? And out of and out of the 4,600 people that have voted, if you haven't voted, make sure you go ahead and vote. 65% of them have disagreed with Kenny Martin and 35 have agreed. So let me read a little bit what some people had to say. One person said, this is a peak example of how players tend to overrate having a bag. Another one, another person said, uh, Kyrie can take over a game like no one. When he is on, there is nothing more spectacular than to see him uh, go off. For me, he is the reason I watch uh, the NBA. Another person said, the poll not being 100% for Luka shows how many people don't actually watch uh, games. Another person said, Luka does nothing better than Kyrie Urban. Another person said, God bless. <laughs> uh, Walker Jesus, thank you for that. Another person said, uh, it's in it. In his opinion, that may be the case. Another person said, brother is brother is thicker than water. <laughs> Another person said, two totally different kind of players. And one more person said, he he be, he be he be just saying stuff for cringe reactions or uh, headlines. So those were, and, and this poll has generated about two hundred and eight comments, and this thing is probably going to go up to five six hundred comments. So I had to sit back and think about it. And really, 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 really think about it. Because Luca is obviously the higher ranked player whenever we're discussing basketball and we're ranking the top players in the world. Whenever we say the top 10, Luka Doncic is always in the top 10. Whenever we even say the top five, in some cases, uh, you find Luka Doncic, Luka Doncic in the top five. Now, I went to go look at their numbers. Um, I know it's a, it's a superficial way of viewing this, but I went to go look at their numbers. Um, I'm just looking at their numbers right now. Let me see uh, their stats from last season. Kyrie Irving averaged 27 points per game, 5.1 rebounds, 5.5 assists uh, last year. Let me see. Let me see in the regular season. Let me just get uh, Luka Doncic's numbers here because they're showing me preseason stats. Let me get regular season. Okay, so Kyrie Irving last year scores 27.1 points per game on 49.4% shooting from the field, 37.9% from the three, 90% uh, from the free throw line. He still got you 5.5 assists, as I said, with those numbers. In the case of Luka, Luka averaged 32 points per game on 49.6% shooting from the field, 34.2% um, from the free throw line. He got you, what, 8.6 rebounds, 8 assists. He did get more turnovers per game, but he also got 1.4 steals. So those are the raw numbers. Obviously, Luca rebounds the ball more. He assists the balls, the ball more, and he um, scores the ball more than Kyrie Irving. Now, if we're looking at them outside of an NBA game context, who's the better basketball player? Well, from a skill standpoint, Kyrie Irving is immensely skilled. There's no question about it, especially on the offensive side of the floor. Defensively, Kyrie Irving is a little bit more of a committed defensive player than um, Luka Doncic. That's 100% uh, for sure. Luka is not known for playing defense whatsoever. And if you watch Luka versus the Clippers in those series, um, the matchup you always want to get is to get Luka switched on you. That's the matchup Kawhi Leonard was always searching for. In some, in some cases, they would try to hide Luka on defense. But um, Kyrie, 
is a very skilled basketball player in terms of shots and all of that. But so is Luca. And I think that these guys are skilled at different things. Obviously, Kyrie has a better handle. Um, Luca has more of an ability to play an all-around game. Luca can score 30 points in a game, but still get you eight rebounds and eight, and eight assists in a game and really make other guys better. Number two, Luca has had more playoff success in the playoffs as a singular star or as the man than Kyrie Irving has. As a matter of fact, Kyrie, the only time he really had real success was when he was playing alongside LeBron James and Kevin Love, if we're going to be honest. If we're going to be honest. Now, Luca, about a year or so ago, made a run all the way to the Western Conference Finals with the Mavs. And I have to ask you guys a question. If you replace Luka Doncic on those Mavs, do they go as far? Do they go as far? I think Kyrie Irving is unguardable, but so is Luka. Both of these guys can, you know, pick apart a defense with their scoring at different in different ways and in di with different paces. Kyrie is stop and go. He's much more quick, more fast twitch, where Luka is a lot more controlled. He looks like he's going slow, kind of like a Paul Pierce. It, 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 you look at him, you're like, I should be able to stop him, and, and, and you can't. Because number one, he's so tall. Luka Doncic, I believe, is what six foot. Let me see how tall Luka is. Six foot seven. And Kyrie, six foot two. Um, Luka's also very strong. He can bump guys, and Luka has the ability to get to his spot. He has the ability to get to his spot, um, and I think Luka Doncic is unguardable on the perimeter, the same way Kyrie is. He really is. I think that. In my personal view, if I had to say who's the better basketball player, I'm going to go with Luka Doncic. Kyrie is immensely skilled, but so is Luka. And if we're talking about skills, we can't just look at it from a standpoint of, well, who has a better dribble, who can hit a wide array of shots? Because Luka can also hit a wide array of shots too. But there's also skill in being able to understand and facilitate a basketball game and, being ha and having a knack for rebounding. Now, in terms of efficiency, Kyrie Irving is more efficient. Kyrie Irving has had a 50-40-90 season. Jordan never had a 50-40-90 season. Kobe never had a 50-40-90 season. LeBron never had a 50-40-90 season. Are we saying that makes him better than those guys? I don't know. To me, I would have to give the nod to Luka Doncic, but from the standpoint that Kenyon presented it, in a one-on-one -on -one game, like he mentioned in a one-on-one -on -one game to 11, He brought up the point that Kyrie, Luka may never get the ball, but if Luka got the ball, we could say the exact same thing about Kyrie Irving. He may never get the ball again. He just may never. Um, and Luka just toys with people. So to me, I would give the nod to Luka. Thank you for listening to today's show. And don't forget to let us know what you think about today's show on iTunes or any of your favorite podcasting platforms.